grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Here again, one more time, verse 16 from our Gospel reading. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. We do crazy things when we are desperate, when we don't know what else to do, when we feel like we are out of all viable options. Desperation causes us to do things that go against morality codes, or even what our faith teaches us is the right thing to do. Look at the state of our country right now. We have people and parties so desperate for power that they openly speak lies, unashamed, with no repercussions, duping the American people. We have politicians on both sides of the aisles that change their stance on issues because they want to be reelected and need a certain group's vote. They compromise general morality, but then there are worse those politicians who claim to be Christian while staunchly supporting hormone blockers for 10-year-olds so that they can transition genders easily, or supporting social justice, or critical race theory, or abortion rights. They support these platforms for votes, and in the process, deny and spit in the face of Christ, the Lord they claim to believe in. Desperate people do crazy things. When we consider the situation of the prodigal son, that wasteful son from our gospel lesson, we can recognize the desperate nature of his actions as well. He spent all of the money that he had from his father's inheritance on those fleshly, sinful joys, living in the moment, living for his own care, his own highs, seeking after the pleasure of prostitutes and desires of the world. After wastefully blowing that inheritance, he's broke, homeless, and living through a severe famine that hits the land. He becomes desperate and does something crazy. He goes and works for a pig farmer. Now, at first, that doesn't seem too crazy. What's wrong with going to work for a farmer? Obviously, nothing's wrong on the surface of that. This is not a soy farmer or a cow farmer or vegetable farmer. This is a pig farmer, and the prodigal son is a Jew. Remember, in the Jewish culture, by the very laws set forth back in the Old Testament, pigs were unclean animals. Therefore, a Jew could not be interacting with them, let alone taking care of them on a daily basis as a job. That in his desperation for survival, in an attempt to make it on his own in the world, the prodigal son continues to betray and reject the moral and social norms of the culture and of his faith by associating himself with the uncleanness of the world. This is always the sin of our flesh, that lure that we have, to attempt to make it on our own, to find fulfillment and contentness in the uncleanness of the world. And there is plenty of filth to be found. We aren't lacking in ways to satisfy, gratify our sinful desires. And we willingly participate in these unclean things, betraying our faith in the process. But the temporal pleasures, the lies, and the cheap talk of the world only last to satisfy us for so long. Like the prodigal son, eventually they drain us of everything we have, and they bring us down low, 
but we are left to fend for ourselves. And it's in this low place, on our knees next to the pig trough, like the prodigal son, that we come to understand the facade, the fakeness of the world, and see it for what it truly is, an unclean, sinful place, a place that has nothing to offer us, no real help or care for us in our desperate, sinful state, a place that rejects the Father. Whether we like to admit it or not, being brought down low to those desperate places is quite often a blessing for us. Why? Because it wakes us up. Like a cold glass of water thrown in our face, it shocks us and makes us alert and help us to see the reality of our situation, the reality of our sins, and the fact that we can't do it. We can't make it on our own, nor are the worldly things the answer either. It forces us to lift up our eyes and look to the one who has cared for us from the beginning, the one who desperately desires for our return to him, the one patiently and lovingly waiting there to forgive us and bring us back under his gracious care. We see this with the father's response in our parable. While the son was far off, the father saw him and ran to him. That would have been unheard of back in that day. It was not ordinary for a father to lower himself to run and meet someone. Why? Because the father was the head of the household. He was the head honcho, so people should be running to him. That would be like walking into work and your boss, seeing you still far off in the parking lot, runs to the entrance and then opens the door for you. But it doesn't stop there. The parable tells us after running to meet his son, the father embraces him and calls for the best robe to be put on him and the ring to be placed on his finger. He called his servants to kill the fattened calf and to throw a great celebration and feast for the son's return. It's like your boss escorting you to his office, sitting you down in his chair, giving you free access to his mini fridge and bar. You get all the perks of the father. You get all the perks of the boss. And it's like your boss then cutting the workday early, gathering the staff together, throwing you a party, and serving filet mignon and lobster tail for the food. See, the father in our parable loved his son so much. He was overjoyed to see him return. He was more than happy to once again give him the perks of rejoining the family and throw a feastly celebration to his honor. Now consider the depth of our Heavenly Father's love for us, the sinful prodigal children that we are. See, our Heavenly Father did the unheard of. He did the unprecedented thing, going to great lengths and sparing nothing to welcome us back into his family. Hearing our confession of sinful living in this unclean world, forgiving our sins, and bringing us back under his gracious care. Like the father in the parable, our heavenly father sacrificed the fattened calf, the best for us, in sacrificing his son. And in that sacrifice, an exchange took place, as St. Paul tells us in our epistle reading today. God exchanged our sins for Jesus' righteousness. God made his sinless son to be sin by taking all of our sin upon himself and making the payment for our sin through his blood. In doing so, God now clothes us in Jesus' righteousness, his sinlessness, 
is perfection. We receive this robe, this garment of Christ's righteousness in our baptism. For it's there in our baptism that our Heavenly Father put on us the robe made white, made pure in the blood of Jesus. He put the ring on our finger that declared to the world that we are his children, that we are a part of his heavenly family. And he makes us whole and restores the relationship between us and himself. Because of Christ, God the Father opens wide his arms, embraces us, and welcomes us back into his family with great joy and celebration. We receive all the perks of being God's child as he lavishes on us forgiveness, life, and salvation. And he gives us a celebratory feast, a feast of his very body and blood in the supper. See, with our Heavenly Father, we don't eat the pig pods, we don't eat the slop. We feast, and we feast on the best. We don't kneel next to the pig trough. We kneel at the altar of our Lord. And it's there that he throws a banquet for us. He throws a banquet for us and all our brothers and sisters in the faith, joined with our heavenly family, joined with the angels and the archangels. And he feeds us his precious body and blood. This is even better than the filet mignon and the lobster tail because the feast of our Lord fulfills both the body and the soul. It forgives and strengthens our faith. See, our Heavenly Father gives us the best and he holds nothing back. We lack nothing with him. Though we were once dead in our sins and our trespasses, we are now alive in Christ. Our lives are not the same anymore. We no longer seek the contentment from our sin, nor are we driven by desperation to the unclean world. We recognize their illusion, their falsity, and we turn them away. We are a new creation now, forgiven and redeemed, under the great care of our God, the God who is our strength, our song, and our salvation forever. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, keep our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus to life everlasting. Amen.